the All About Setwork podcast. In this podcast, we talk about all things setwork. That include training tips, a behind-the-scenes look at what your instructor or trial official may be going through, and much more. In this episode, I wanted to talk about the disconnect between our human experience when it comes to setwork and what our dogs may be going through. <laughs> so before we start diving into the podcast episode itself, let me do a very quick introduction on myself. My name is Diana Santos. I am the owner and lead instructor for Setwork University, Dog Sport University, and Pet Dog U. These are all online dog training platforms that are designed to help you achieve your dog training goals, and we're very fortunate to have a client basis worldwide. For Setwork University in particular, we provide online courses, seminars, webinars, and ebooks that are all focused around Setwork. So whether you're just getting started, you're trying to develop some more advanced skills, or if you're interested in trialing, we have a training solution for you. So now you know a little bit more about me, let's dive into the podcast episode itself. So in this episode, I wanted to talk about the disconnect between our human experience when it comes to doing set work and what our dogs are probably dealing with. (laughs) So the reason why I wanted to put this podcast episode together is I've been having several conversations with several of my clients, and we put together recently some webinars that were touching upon some of these things. And I think it's important for all of us to understand how our expectations as far as people can absolutely affect the way that we either design our training how we run a particular search, whether we're training or trialing, and how that may not always work out in the best interest of our dog. (laughs) So for example, let's say that you're doing a practice or training search with your dog. So you are going to do several runs or repetitions with them in this training session, which means that you're going to be moving your hide from one run to the next because you're trying to present them with different types of searches with every repetition. And when you move your hide, When you do your next run, your dog goes over to where the hide used to be, right? They're not alerting or anything. They're just going over there. And your response is, yeah, the hide used to be there. Keep going. Like find the new hide, right? Find more or whatever. And this is very common. But I think what is a problem (laughs) is that there is an underlying almost, how can I put it, dismissiveness to how we as handlers respond to our dogs doing this. Because to us, clearly, the tin, the straw, the vessel, whatever, is no longer there, right? We have physically moved it somewhere else. And therefore, we know, intellectually, that the hide is no longer there. The scented Q-tips are no longer within that vessel. Like, there's nothing there to quote-unquote find. So it seems very silly to us that the dog would even go over there. And for some people, they didn't think, well, the dog is cheating, the dog is trying to treat me like a Pez dispenser, they're trying to ask for more treats, or whatever the case may be. They're trying to manipulate me or something. They're trying to cheat the game, as it were. But I think what we're all forgetting (laughs) is that our dogs are experiencing scent work in a completely different way than we are, because they can actually experience the odor, meaning... We, you and I, as handlers, as humans, cannot see the odor. We cannot see the odor plume. Whether you're dealing with having your dog search for food or toys or scented articles or scented Q-tips of whatever variety, we cannot see odor. We cannot visually see it when we set it in within a space at all. We're just guessing. Even for trial officials or instructors or people who are very proficient and extraordinarily experienced, it's still just a guess. (laughs) It's just a good educated guess, but it's still just a guess. The dogs are the ones that are actually experiencing the odor. They can quote unquote see it with their nose, right? So when we dismissively say, I've moved that hide, it's no longer there, keep going. 
It's not taking into account that your dog may still be experiencing odor where that hide used to be. Translation, lingering odor. That there can still be remnants of the odor plume in that very same space. And that your dog isn't lying. Your dog is not scheming. Your dog is not manipulating you. Your dog isn't doing any of these things. They're just merely experiencing there is still some odor here. There's no source. There's still some odor here. Okay, let me move on and go find where the source is. But we are so quick to judge. This is a general statement, but we're so quick to judge when we're watching our dogs search because to us it makes sense, right? I visually cannot see a hide there. I'm the one who said it. I know where it is. There is nothing there as far as what I can see or that I as a human can experience. There is no reason for the dog to be doing these things from a human perspective. From a dog perspective, that would be incorrect. (laughs) There's lots of reasons why they may want to investigate the space. And from a scent work perspective, from a training perspective, granting them the opportunity to do that, to actually have this learning moment of seeing, yes, the source used to be there, There is still some lingering odor here, but now there's no source. Can you see and experience the difference between the two? Because you're going to have to figure that out as a dog when we're doing set work as an activity. And all of that requires time. (laughs) Being able to experience, okay, here's some lingering odor. Here's some odor that's left over. There is no source here. Okay, that's what that looks like. There is no source. Let me move on to source. Like it just took me time to say that sentence. It is going to take your dog time to actually experience that, make that decision point, do that learning, and then move on to find their hide. But we don't grant them, again, generally saying, any of that time to do that. (laughs) It's like instantaneous. They come in, they check out that spot, and we're already, find more, find more. What are you doing? No, the hide used to be there. Stop it. Go find another one. It's like, good grief. Ugh. And then if your dog were to alert on where this hide used to be. Now there's two possibilities. One, your dog doesn't really understand the premise of the game, where now they think, well, there's odor here. Is that good enough? As opposed to really, we only care about source. Or possibility number two is that you actually have residual odor. You don't actually have lingering odor. You don't just have some odor up in the air. You actually had transfer of actual oil, (laughs) of real odor odor on that space where that hide was, which is absolutely a possibility. So if your dog is telling you in no uncertain terms, I found it, I'm going to trust your dog. (laughs) They're the ones who are experiencing these things. So I think it's important for us to remember this giant chasm that separates ourselves from our dogs as far as what it means to experience odor and that we are so quick to discount them because we visually cannot see a hide right? Or we intellectually know the odor vessel is not there. Another example to try to help this make a little bit more sense. Inaccessible hides. So let's say that you place an inaccessible hide inside of a closed closet. You have your tin next to a certain corner of that door. So as far as you're concerned, the dog should have their nose at that corner, right? Unbeknownst to you, All of the odor is flowing along that door on the inside and then exiting the opposite corner of that door. You're telling me that we, 
are supposed to discount the fact of where odor is traveling. Again, the only way the dog is able to tell us where a source is. Because we know, quote unquote, better as handlers where the actual tin is. I would argue, please don't. <laughs> like, but this doesn't make sense to people, right? Santos, you're always harping about the importance of source. They've got to tell us exactly where source is. Right. But they can only do that if the odor plume is actually going back directly to source. So if you have a situation for an inaccessible hide, as an example, where your tin is in one spot, but all the odor is traveling somewhere else, and that's the only access point the dog has, that access point should count. And then for my purposes, if I can, I'm going to say, what a great dog. And then going to grant them access to the actual tin and then reward at the tin. So for that example, opening the closet door and rewarding at the actual tin, even if the dog showed me interest in the opposite corner of the door. This is where playing with visualization exercises, I think, can really help. And this is something that we talked about in some of our recent webinars. So we had our tools for designing searches webinar that I did where we tried to demonstrate how you can use things such as dry ice or the smoke pencil or even the wind tunnel app to help people try to do this visualization of helping them put together intellectually <laughs> what odor could potentially, and that's a very key word here, potentially do within a space and try to grant the dog just how amazing it is, number one, that they can do these things. And number two, how there can be this giant disconnect between what our expectation is as a human being, because we can't see odor, <laughs> and what the dog may actually tell us is what's going on. And that we need to be able to hone our eyes as far as reading the dog to interpret what odor may be doing. Should we also have an expectation as far as a good educated guess? I would wholeheartedly argue yes that you should have a pretty good understanding about odor theory. You should understand what all the different elements are going to be doing, all the various factors, all the interplay of what odor can do, and then pairing that along with what your dog is telling you in a given search. But at the end of the day, recognizing yourself, how there can be such a giant disconnect between your human expectations and what the realities in the search can actually be. Because if we don't understand or we don't recognize that disconnect, we can cause a lot of problems for ourselves and our dogs. Again, let's use the inaccessible hide as an example. Your dog comes up, they place their nose on the corner where the odor is actually escaping, where they have access to it. You have placed the tin on the opposite corner. So as far as you're concerned, they are incorrect. So you don't do anything. Right? They haven't, they haven't solved the puzzle to your satisfaction. The dog is now wholeheartedly confused because up until that point, as far as they were concerned, the definition of the game was to find the hide, right? Was to find source, was to find where odor is coming from. It, it's impossible with an inaccessible hide because that's the whole premise of an inaccessible hide. They cannot get to source. That's the whole point. So the next level down is to get to the highest concentration of odor, from that source, which is what they did. But you aren't saying that that is also incorrect. So, so far we're zero for two. <laughs> I can't get the source and the strongest concentration of odor didn't work either. What exactly am I supposed to do here in order to get my reward? I don't know. And this is where you can get deflation. You can get confusion. You can get false alerts. You can get all kinds of really bad things can happen all because we in our minds, 
are attached to placement of tin, not possibility of where odor is going. And here's another hot take for you. <laughs> and again, this may not fly at a trial. It may not fly with even some of my colleagues, but just a hot take is that if you have an inaccessible hide in a closet, let's say, right? Dog has shown interest on this door. You place tin on corner of one corner of the door. Dog has shown interest in the other corner of the door. Are you telling me that you are not going to open the door either way to find the thing that the dog was supposed to find? I'm going to argue that you are. <laughs> so I don't see what the point is. Like, why are we quibbling over such a tiny thing? Like, it is such, how, how can I put this gently? It's conceded on on part to say, no, I know better than you, dog. When we don't, <laughs> we categorically do not know more than our dogs when it comes to odor. Now, do we potentially know more as far as maybe rules or restrictions about how searches could be designed at a trial? Yes, right? Because we actually can read the rule book. We can know how high a hide could potentially be set, where it could potentially be, the boundaries of the search area, and all that is true, right? And that's where, as a teammate, we can help our dogs and say, okay, we don't need to be looking eight feet up in the air. The highs are only going to be two feet and below, like that kind of thing. We don't need to go, you know, five blocks down. It's only going to be in this area. All that is true. However, <laughs> if your dog is telling you in no certain terms, hey, I have to go out of in between these boundary cones, like two or three feet to chase this odor cone so I can work my way back to source. I would really sincerely hope that you would listen to your dog. And you would let them do that, right? Because they are the ones who can experience the odor. We can't. We cannot. What I'm hoping with this podcast episode that at least it gets you thinking about how important it can really be to try to visualize what odor could potentially, <laughs> potentially be doing in these spaces so that we can grant our dogs the the time and the space to really make those decisions. Because that's the other part of this thing that bugs me so much is not only are we very dismissive when we have things like lingering odor, a hide moved or something, or we are so strict as far as things like inaccessible hides. No, you have to have your nose exactly here. It's like, seriously. But the other thing that just grinds my gears is we don't give the dog any time to figure this stuff out. We just assume that the dog is supposed to instantaneously run into a space and find their highs as if it's nothing. And that's simply not true. <laughs> it's so not true. They have to basically do like this high level arithmetic, this complicated decision making in their mind as they're experiencing the odor to determine exactly where source is. And if that whole time they're trying to do that, they're dealing with us because maybe we're not being as supportive as we should be. Maybe we're trying to distract them to direct them away from where we think that they should be. Maybe we're not being so great with our leash handling. Maybe we're too close. Maybe we're too far away. Maybe we're talking too much. Who knows? <laughs> but they have to contend with all of that on top of what the space is throwing at them. Where again, your dog has an incredible sense of smell. That means that if someone ate a hot dog here, you know, a day ago, they're going to know. <laughs> Fido came in a week ago and left a text that, you know, every other dog's mother is, you know, annoying. They had, they see that, they experience that. So the point being is that we need to be more appreciative 
of what it is that our dogs are trying to do, what our dogs can do, what our dogs are doing, and that we have to recognize our limitations as part of this team. And we have to put everything, a lot more of our focus on shoring up our end of the leash by understanding odor, by understanding how we can actually support them, by making sure we're not rushing them unnecessarily, that we are honing our own eyes, we can actually tell what our dog is communicating to us as they're working the space, that we can also have our own good mental management, that we aren't adding more stress into the situation just because we don't deal well with stress. (laughs) All of these things are important and they're very tangible, real things that we can do as handlers to better support our dogs to do the thing that they're tasked to do. And at the very same time, underpinning all of that with appreciating that our dogs can do this thing, experience odor, and then detect it, and then hunt for it, and then find it, that we cannot do. (laughs) To me, if you can just remind yourself of that, you cannot do what your dog does ever. It can allow you to be more humble and more appreciative so that you can find ways of better supporting them, of understanding your own limitations as a human being that you cannot experience odor. Let's find out ways that we can wrap our heads around this a little bit more. Let's not diminish what our dogs are capable of. Let's elevate it. Let's really appreciate it. Let's hone it and celebrate it and find ways to bring ourselves along for the ride so we're a little bit better. And our dogs aren't like just dragging us along as like this useless weight of like, oh, would you just let me do what I got to do and stop making my life so difficult? All of this can really help. So we do have a couple of resources that we just recently put out for Network University, another that's going to be releasing soon. The few that I would strongly encourage everyone to check out is the Hide Placement and Odor Movement Seminar with Laurel Scarioni. Absolutely excellent. Cannot recommend that enough. All About the Box, a detailed look at containers webinar with Dana Zinn. Superb. So many people have taken this webinar. It uses some of these visualization techniques with dry as I'm talking about. It is a deep dive in container searches. You really should take it. I just recently released a Tools for Designing Your Search Areas webinar where we use dry ice. We talk about how you can potentially use a smoke pencil and the wind tunnel app. I think that's pretty helpful. And then we're going to be releasing on June 15th the Wait, Quit, or help webinar. We're basically going to be walking through as handlers of different decision points you can make for a different search. So I strongly encourage everyone to check those out. I'll make sure there's links for those in our podcast replay page. But as always, I want to hear from you guys. What'd you think about this podcast? <laughs> if you have any other questions about it, were there any other topics you were interested in? We are going to be doing some more spotlight series, which I'm very excited about series episodes rather and really looking forward to highlighting some other individuals and businesses that are giving back to the community. If there are any other topics you all are interested in, please feel free to let me know. We want to make sure that we're doing this podcast and covering topics you all are interested in. But I hope you all are enjoying playing summer with your dogs. Love hearing from you. Happy training. We look forward to seeing you soon.